what I want to do is, is uh, just, just I want to I want to ask you a question, and uh, this this isn't a question that, that we're going to be one of the questions that I that I answer today. This is just going to be like one of those what do they call those things icebreaker questions. Um, and this question is uh, I, I, here. I, I don't want you to give me the answer. All right, I'm going to ask you a question. It's going to be one of those questions that you have to. Um, uh, exercise the spiritual gift of self-control and keep it on the inside. No. For, you, for you, it'd be all right. No, no, I, I knew it was going to come from Marty. But no, no, the question I want to ask is, like, have you ever been told something um, about you or something that directly affects you uh, and, and it was true about you? Um, have you ever been told something like that? And I'm, I'm being, yes, I'm being a little vague in this questioning because it, it, it could uh, span a, a, a wide variety of different things. But have you ever been told something about you that you, you did not know and when somebody told you about that, you had that moment like, Oh, I understand now. I mean, it could be a positive thing, or it could be um, a, a negative thing, right? Um, like, like me, I mean, this little interaction here, saying that I, I mean, I, I never knew that I preached too long. That's the truth. <laughs> I did know. I only preached for, I only preached too long to the sinners. So, uh, that's to everybody, <laughs> no one's getting out of that. No, but have you ever have you ever been told something that you that you didn't know that was about yourself, but then somebody told you about it, and, and it was kind of that moment like you're like, ah, I see, or you had that holy crap moment. Oh, that's that is true. Yeah, just by a show of hands, have you had that? Don't tell me what it is. Just yeah, okay. If not, come to me. I'll tell you something. <laughs> I may or may not make it up, but no. Uh, but truth, and, and, and I was thinking about this, in, in, and we're, we're, we are going to be talking about adoption, and uh, I was thinking about, uh, about this, and, and I came across this story, true story, um, about a, a young lady that was, um, she's 15 years old, and she was in her high school biology class. And in her high school biology class, and, and as I, before I even tell this story, if you're the biology nerds in here, which is fine, if I say something that is not biologically correct or something, this is a story. Come on, just, just bear with me. Uh, so, I, yeah, I'll stay away from Stephanie. I'll stay over here. So, <laughs> no, so uh, this, this young lady in her uh, biology class, her, her biology teacher w w was. Uh, talking about um, genetics. They were going over genetics and everything. And the biology teacher made this, this statement that um, it is genetically impossible for uh, two parents who have blue eyes to have a child who has brown eyes. Um, and then the, the conversation in, ensued a little bit because the, the young lady, she was sitting there, she's like, wait a second, I got brown eyes. Dad has blue eyes. Mom has blue eyes. So she's like, wait a second, teacher. Both my parents have blue eyes, and I have brown eyes. And these aren't contacts. It's like, this is so, she, she, she's like in her head, she's like, what? No, how? And so she asks, how, how is that possible? Well, of course, like many uh, um, 
and I'm not going to say teachers, because I think adults do this as well. After, they, after an, adult sa- an adult says something, a lot of times that if that, um, uh, what it is in which they say comes up to a little bit of, of confrontation, they start to stutter and try to figure out, well, uh, uh, well, maybe, and they try to just explain it away. Well, the teacher, and I don't know if it was a, a male teacher or a female teacher, uh, said, well, maybe one of your parents really doesn't have blue eyes like you think. Maybe they're like a, a greenish color or whatever. And of course, you know how kids are. Well, maybe it's because your mom slept with a milkman. <laughs> I mean, so it, it, it may have happened. I don't know. But so this, this, this young lady was just beside herself. She's like, well, what in the world? Because she knew she had brown eyes. She knows that her, both her parents have blue eyes. So she goes home and she's telling her parents this. And, and, and yeah, they're, they're sitting down and, and they're having this conversation like, yeah, in biology today, they said that it, it's genetically impossible for two blue-eyed parents to have a, a brown-eyed uh, child. And her mother just erupts in tears. And here, to come to find out, she was adopted. She had no idea that she was adopted. She did, she, I mean, she's 15 years old now. She had no, not even an inkling... That she was adopted, but through this biology class, through this little thing that did this biology teacher set out to say, hey, you are adopted? No, this biology teacher was just sharing what they had to share. But nonetheless, a truth about her was revealed that she didn't, didn't know. Now, I mean, if you, just to let everybody know, because everybody's like, well, what happened next? The story did go on, and and, uh, it was a very good story. She ended up meeting up with her biological mother and meeting up with her biological father and her family, and they went on these different trips together. And it was was a really, really neat story, um, how the family kind of grew, and she learned a lot from it. But the moral of the story was that she had no idea about her, that that she was adopted until this, this event. Now, as I was thinking about this, <coughs> excuse me, as I was thinking about this, and as I was thinking about like, what we're going to be talking about, adoption, I had a question that, that pops into my, in my mind. And again, I don't, want you to, I don't want you to answer this out loud, but I want you to, to think about it. But I had this question that I wonder how many Christians, and when I'm saying Christians, you all need to understand what we're going to explain a little further here, but how many Christians, those who believe in Jesus Christ, how many Christians, not, not, not just people, I'm saying how many Christians know, or how about they do not know, that they're adopted into God's family? How many Christians? Now, now, when I say that, I want to be very clear because I, I think that, the, that um, when, I, when, I, when I throw that out there, some can say, well, what are you saying? Where, are, you, you, are you questioning people's salvation? No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, I wonder how many Christians that, that are blood-bought, that, that have put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ, how many Christians don't know the fact, the truth, the reality that because I'm a Christian, I'm adopted into God's family. Because I, I think that, that um, we can hear a, a lot of this, but how, how, how many have not had that, that sink in, sink into the, 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 their, their mind? And not only sink into their mind, but sink into their heart. Because I, I think that if we run around like the, 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 the uh, young lady that didn't know any better, she, to, to her knowledge, 
what she, what she knew was good. But then a truth was revealed to her, and then she can realize even more that is true about herself. And, and I think that a lot of times we have, there's a lot of, 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 of us, and I'm going to say us, us Christians, who believe and fully we trust Jesus, but we're not grabbing hold of the importance of what it means to be adopted into God's family. And I think it's important to, to, to kind of look at what adoption means. So I wrote this down, and I hope that this, this conveys this, this message here. Adoption is the deliberate action by which a family gives to a person all the privileges of being a member of that family. So, so, so think about that for a second. Let that, 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 that think, let that sink in a little bit. Because it's the deliberate action. So it doesn't just have, it's not like happenstance. Deliberate action by which a family gives to a person all the privileges of being a member of that family. Now, we, we can think of that on, on uh, just uh, uh, like physical terms. We can think of that like some of you in, in here have, uh, um, maybe you're adopted or you've adopted or you, you know someone. That I think we've been affected by adoption one way or, or another. One of the things we have to understand, we've got to continue to keep our, or wrap our mind around, is adoption is a deliberate action. Again, it doesn't, doesn't just happen. So when we look at this, and I, and I ask that question, how, question, how many Christians uh, do not know that they are adopted into God's family? It's important to understand that not all people, and you've heard me say this before, I know that, but that not all people are part of God's family. Well, wait a second, what do you mean not all people? Are, what, doesn't the Bible say that God loves everyone? No, 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 Here, here's the deal. Yes, all of creation, all of creation is God's, right? We would agree with that. The Bible is very clear, though, that there are those who are, are of God's family and who are not of God's family. I think you need to turn this down just a little bit. So there are people who are of God's family and who are not of God's family. Now, we don't take that and we don't walk around with our chest bowed out and, and, and act like, hey, I'm part of God's family and you're not. Well, that's just stupid because remember... The deliberate action that took place to make you part of God's family was not your action, it was God's action in the first place. Now let's look at this. Look at uh, John chapter 1 with me, real quick. I know that uh, uh, Kurt last week read this for the... Now um, I don't have any lights. These lights up here turn off anymore? No? Everything all the way up? Dang, oh, I don't... What? I think I am up too far. Maybe we should need to... Oh, look at that. Oh. We, my reading lights. Who, buddy? Anyhow. John chapter 1. Let's focus. Focus. Right. Now that I have light, I can see. So I said, not, I, said, I said this, the Bible says that not everyone is a child of God, only the believers. Look at John chapter 1, uh, verse 12. Now remember and understand when I say this, I, I don't want us to, to think like we are better than everyone else and we have some superior knowledge. 
No, again, don't go up on that pedestal. Don't put yourself up on that pedestal. Are we special in the eyes of God? Yes, absolutely. Even though I know your mom told you you're special your whole life, but you are, are special in the eyes of God because you're a child. Look what it says here in chapter 1 of John, verse 12. It says, But to all who did receive Him, Him being Jesus here, who believed in His name... He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. See what it says there. Again, remember, I'm not making this up. This is what, what God's Word says, and the, the Apostle John is communicating this to us, and he says that it's those who believe in His name are given the right, they're, they're given the, the, the right to what? To become. Children of God, right? So to become something that, that implies clearly that, that someone was not something, right? So to, to become means that there, there had to be, there, there is a distinction between this people and that people. And, and the distinction is there, there, there are two types of people, we understand this. The, the two types of people are God's children and those who are not God's children. So when anybody ever tells you, oh, all, everybody's just one of God's children, that is not true. Why could you say it's not true? Because the Bible says it's not true. And the Bible is the final authority, not my emotions, not your intellect, not your, uh, your logical thinking or whatever, your science book. I know, hard to believe. Or even your history book. No, the Bible is the final authority on that. And the Bible says that there are people who are not the children of God. Now, what do we need to do about that? I mean, that's, we had that conversation in, in the, the Forge this morning. It was like, because there's people who are not children of God, it is our duty as Christians, it's our responsibility to do what, what, what God has told us to do, which is to proclaim His good news, to tell other people so that when we get to heaven, there's a huge log jam right at the gate. The entrance to the gate of heaven because there's so many people wanting to come in. And there's so many people that are called to come in. There's so many children coming to see the Father. That's what we want. Some of you are like, well, I don't like that. I've driven the Jersey Turnpike and that stinks. I, I, heaven is so much better than Jersey. It might not be like Dixie, but it's so much better. So, that was a joke. Remember, what's that Hank Williams Jr.? If, if heaven ain't like Dixie, I don't want to go. Anybody remember that song? Yeah, I didn't ask you to sing it. I asked if you knew it. Filter. Whose kid is that? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so not every child is a child, or not every person, not everyone is a child of God, but there are those who, who are and those who are not. So as we, we understand that, is this adoption, how does it... How does this happen? It says here that, that, they, um, that those who believe have been given the right to become. So when we, we look at this, I, I, I want us to understand like what, what is the, the divine work in this. Because adoption is the divine work, and I think this is another one of those statements that you got to really kind of you need to wrestle with and grab hold of. Adoption is the divine work wherein God declares regenerated believers to be His beloved sons and daughters, and welcomes them into His eternal family. 
if some of you are like, I, I didn't get it, can you repeat it? Hold on a second. Don't, before we do that, I, one of the practices I'm going to try to do now uh, throughout the week is I'll, I'll put these quotes in the email and send them out to you. So don't get so distracted. I didn't get it all written down. Just, it, it'll be all right. Okay? Breathe. Everybody take a deep breath. <sighs> Man, breath mint, tic-tac. Um, <laughs> so adoption is the divine work wherein God declares, God declares the regenerated believers to be His beloved sons and daughters and welcomes them into His eternal family. It is God who declares, it is God who makes that deliberate action. That, that text that um, uh, Kurt read earlier in Ephesians chapter 1 communicates this very well. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, I'll read it again because I think that we need to hear the power in this. It said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us, and that's the important part I want to focus on, that He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption as sons. That word means sons or daughters. So, as children. Um, uh, predestined us for, us for adoption as His children. Through Christ, or through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved, and I love the fact that it says that He chose us, He predestined us to be adopted into His family, but it says, according to the purpose of His will and the praise of His glorious grace. We've been talking about the gospel of grace, and the greatest thing here that we can see here with this understanding is that because of God's grace, because of the gospel of grace, He chose some people to be adopted into His family. Now, I'm not going to be, this is not the time, I'm not, and, I, and maybe sometime in the future we'll have that conversation from here. But what we have to understand is that the conversation we're not going to have is, well, does that mean that God doesn't choose some and He chooses others? The answer to that conversation is yes. But remember it says to, that, that the reason He has chosen some, he, the reason that He has chosen those to be His children is according to the purpose of His will. God's will is way greater than, than our own. God's ways, God's mind, His thought process, a whole lot, it, it transcends. It's bigger than anything we can think of. So we can't just automatically go there, well, I don't know, I don't, I don't agree with that. Fine, again, you're not disagreeing with me. If you're disagreeing, you're disagreeing with God. What I want to communicate to you, though, is that adoption happens when I, by the deliberate action. And the, the adoption that happens for us to go to be adopted into God's family, it says that we are chosen by Him. And it says, according to the purpose of His will, that gives us the clear indication that He didn't choose you because you're a good person. Amen. That, that's one of those areas where everybody's like, mm-hmm, amen. Hallelujah. Right? Preach on, preacher, right? So be, because of the, it's not according to anything that you've done that He's chosen you, now is there responsibility in that? And on our part, absolutely there's responsibility. We are to respond. But the initial act of, of, of us being chosen by God is through God's grace and His love and His mercy, all that alone. So what we have to understand is think about that baby. Think about that 15-year-old girl that was adopted from the hospital 
Did she have a choice in that adoption? No, she did not have a choice. So what we have to understand, but the result of the, of the choice that was made for her was a beautiful one, right? What we, have to, what we have to understand is even though maybe we don't, we can't, or we don't want to, some don't want to, but some can't, whatever, grapple with the, this understanding how God chooses some for this and that, I don't know all of that. All I know that He has a plan, He has a purpose, He has a will. And it's beautiful and it's perfect because He is God. Yes, He is a loving God. He's also a righteous God and a just God. So how that all works out, I don't know. I don't know, but I'll tell you this. I'm glad He chose me. And because He chose me, I look at, at, at this, whatever you want to call it, the doctrine of election or predestination or whatever, however you want to uh, put, put your label on this, I can sit there with my warm blanket on knowing that <laughs> He chose me. Thank you, Lord, for choosing me. I hope you choose a whole lot more people. Right? But I don't know who, he's cho- who He has chosen who He has not. So what is my responsibility in this? First, my responsibility is to, to respond to Him. But then my responsibility is to tell other people. Right? So we understand that, that, that this adoption, this divine work of God, it is up to God. Let God be God. Quit trying to be God and just let God be God. And then you respond to the way in which God is being, not the way in which you think God should be. Somebody need to hear that. Maybe it was just the guy up here that's talking. Right? Because I, I think a lot of times we try to figure all this stuff out and we just need to just accept it. Okay, whew, I'm chosen. Thank you, God. Who else is? Let me go find them. You know, let's go find. Do we know who that is? No, that means we just need to tell everybody the same. You know, you know God, does God love those who are not his children? Yes, he does. He loves them enough to send his son, his son to die for them. So if they're important to God, they should be important to us. So when we think about this, we're thinking about being chosen by God. We're thinking about this adoption into God's family. What we have to understand is that the biblical writers, they use this, this, uh, this familiar terminology, the familial terminology, this terminology of, of, of sons and daughters and fathers. And, you know, the Bible uses this a lot to describe the relationship between God and humanity. And then between God and His children. Now, the language that is drawn here is drawn from uh, um, this, this understanding that this is an ongoing commitment. And I, and I love this because uh, too often the, the, the mindset, what people have is, if they don't understand that they're adopted into a family, they act like they're a lone ranger. They forget, or maybe they don't know, what it, however, they act like that I can be a Christian and I can do it on my own. No, when you're adopted into a family, there's a reason it's a family. You don't give up on family. You don't run out on family. Even if you're acting like a butthead, the family doesn't give up on you. Now, we can t- look at that on, on two different levels. You can look at the universal church, the universal, uh, the invisible church, the, 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 the um, invisible family of God. Like it, 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 uh, um, it, it spreads to all believers. We can look at that, and that's a yes. But there's also representations like us, local physical bodies. We can say, yes, we are a family. And I know that when we look around here, we're like, yes, and we are Jerry Springer family type. Is Jerry even on TV anymore? He is? 
Thanks, Wayne. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're, the, we're dysfunctional, right? If you don't hear anything other than anything else I say today, except the fact that we are a dysfunctional family, and I love that because God can use dysfunction for His glory. If you don't believe that, read the Bible. Just read it. Just, just, just read, look, read the lineage of Jesus. Read, I mean, just read some of the, the, the Old Testament where, where people are, are doing some crazy things. And God, I love, I was, I was reading through, uh, I don't know, one of those old books. Uh, uh, one of those old books. I'm sorry. I, I think it was, I was in uh, it was either Exodus or Leviticus. One of those two. I was in the Pentateuch, okay? And, and where um, God is saying, I'm going to just wipe out all of these people. And Moses is like, wait a second, God. Don't, don't, do, don't do that. But then the, the rules are, roles are reversed later. Moses is like, kill them all, God. I mean, that, you talk about uh, like a plot twist. <laughs> that's, that's funny. But understand that God uses that. God can use a dysfunctional family and great things can come out of that dysfunction. But we have to be willing to be used by God. And I, I think that we have to understand that we are, because we are adopted into His family, that we have a thing in common. And the, the thing in common is we have the same Father. Now, we might have different backgrounds and stuff like that, but our Father is the same. And what we can understand is, is that this family in which we are adopted into, even though it's messy, is intended by God. God intended this to happen all the way from the beginning. And once we understand and we accept the fact that, wow, I'm not just a child of God, which is not a just anyways, but what we have to understand is if, 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 if I, as, as long as I don't just see me as a child of God, but I'm a part of a family, that's, that's the, the, that eye-opening moment, like, wow. For some people, it's like, well, yeah, but i got a lot of struggles that I'm dealing with. Exactly. How you doing dealing with those things on your own? How you doing trying to figure out everything out? Because the way in which I look at it, and I know me, I don't always make the right decisions. I need some help. So why not have the help of those who have the same Father, who have the same mindset of, okay, we want to glorify God. Man, this is messy. Yes, very messy. But you know what? I love you and I'm going to walk with you through this. Why? Because we're the same family. I'm not going I'm, I'm to leave you. God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Think about that. God says He'll never leave us or forsake us, right? He says he'll, He won't leave the, um, the, us as orphan children, right? We, we like that when it comes to us. We're like, yeah, me and God are like this. But He's saying that to me, and He's saying it to Matt, and He's saying it to Kalina, and He's saying it to Shannon, even though she kicks me. He's saying it to Roy. He's saying it to everybody. So think about that. If God's not going to leave or forsake any of his children, where does that put us all? Together. In a big, jacked up family. The second question that I want to address. So we, we asked the, how many Christians do not know that they are adopted into God's family. The second one is, what is the significance of being adopted into God's family? Because I, I, I think, that, I mean, we, and we touched on a, a couple of these things, but what we have to understand is God is a father who graciously adopts believers. And so graciously, we talked about that. 
It's his choice, but he graciously adopts believers in Christ into his spiritual family and grants them all the privileges. Now, I want to stress that. All the privileges of airship. Not airship, you're not, not, not Goodyear Blimp airship. All right? H-E-I-R. Air. Like your air, from, uh, like your lineage, right? So he, he, he gives us all and grants us all the privileges of airship. Now, these privileges of airship are, are not merely just forgiveness of sins and, and deliverance from condemnation, which are awesome. Don't get me wrong, those are awesome. What it is also is that position of blessing. In that same text that we just read in Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 3 there it does say, that Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who blessed us, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So the significance of being adopted into God's family is understanding that God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I think too often what happens though is like, okay, He blessed me, where are they at? God doesn't give you the blessing if you seek the blessing. God blesses us and lets us uh, let's us experience the blessing when we seek the blessor. When we seek Him. Does, does God want to bless us with, with great things? Yes, it says that we have all these just waiting for us. Remember last week we talked about the, the, the way of the world and the, the standard of the world, and that is what keeps us from reaping those blessings. Because the blessings are there. And the Father's a loving Father wanting, wanting to bestow them upon us, but He's not going to, and you've heard me say this a, a hundred times, He's not going to bless your mess. That would be cruel. So, uh, uh, privileges that we have the inheritance of, uh, of all these blessings, but we have also the inheritance of His kingdom. Think about this too. You're adopted in, as a believer, you're adopted into the family of God who is the King of kings, who is the Lord of lords, who sits upon the throne, who rules the universe. I love my dad, but my dad ain't got anything on my father upstairs. And I say upstairs, and I hate when I even say that. <laughs> Our Father in heaven, right? No, Dad, I don't have an old man up in the attic. <laughs> But our Father in heaven, understanding that he, he, uh, um, he is not only transcendent, He's not only above all, but He's intimate in our life. Just like a father is with a child. Another thing that we get, another spiritual blessing in which we get from uh, um, being adopted into God's family is the presence of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because it's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that, that enables us to, uh, to be obedient, to act accordingly, to do the, the things that God wants us to do. Look at Romans chapter 8. I, I, you may have heard this verse once or twice come from my mouth. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through, the, through His Spirit who dwells in you. 
Previous to that, it says that if you don't have the, the Spirit, you're not a child of God. So it, it's very clear that God's children have the presence of the Holy Spirit inside. And it's the presence of the Holy Spirit like we talked a few weeks ago when, we're, when, when Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave His life for me. When, we, when he says that, we understand that it is the empowering of the Holy Spirit that we can live by faith. So when we, when, when we um, are, are transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of His Son, when we go from not believing, unbeliever, to believer being a child of God, not only do we have, uh, are we inheriting the blessings, but we get uh, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit inside us, but we also, this is a huge one, because this is, again, a, mis, a misconception by too many people, we have access to the Father. We have access to the Father. We don't need anyone to stand between us and our Heavenly Father and to mediate for us. It says that there's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. We don't need uh, anybody else. We don't need priests. We don't need pastors. We don't need prayer warriors. We don't need... Now, let me, don't, don't say that... I'm not saying that, that those things aren't, aren't good and, can't, and God doesn't use them. What I'm saying is you have access... I have access. We all have access as children to go talk to our Father. We have access to talk to our Father. I mean, which, remember, we're thinking about this and we're like, He's the God of the universe. He doesn't want to be bothered by me. Oh, but He does. Oh, but He does. He wants to hear from His children. And not only does he want to hear from his children, is when his children are in need, when they need uh, um, that help, because we all need it, right? He tells us we need to come to him with boldness, with confidence. Turn to uh, Hebrews chapter 4 real quick. And again, another, another one that you guys have heard a bunch of times, but I think it's, it's worth stating here. Verse 16, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, so with confidence, how can we with confidence draw near to the throne of grace? It's because it's, it's my Father who sits on the throne. He's, he's the one that I, I know if I, if I need something, I, go, I can go to Him. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I, I know that, that there are, are some that have had, some of you have had bad childhoods or something that, you know, maybe your father hasn't been the loving father here on earth. The, the, your, your earthly father hasn't been the loving father that uh, you, he should have been. And I'm not going to discount that. I think that that's probably a very true reality. But don't judge your heavenly father by the faults of your earthly father. Understand that your heavenly father is pure in his love and His righteousness, and His justice, and all those attributes. Your earthly father, yeah. Earthly fathers make mistakes. Daily, we make mistakes. But our Heavenly Father never makes a mistake. So understanding that we can have confidence to go to Him in our time of need, He's not going to turn away from us. Why? Because we are His children and we have access to our Father because we are His children. 
Another thing that I think that is important for us to, to, to briefly look at here, and we're starting to, to, to circle the plane here, maybe. The sun will be there when you get out of here, I promise. If not, that means we're going to be with Jesus. So, win-win. Another privilege of airship. And this one, people are going to be like, wait, this isn't a privilege. But it is. Discipline. Loving discipline from the Father. Oh, I don't, I mean, I don't think discipline's loving. Well, you don't understand what discipline is, is meant to be then. Discipline in the truest of form, in the purest of form, is supposed to be to take that which stands in between two people, between a father and a son, between a mother and a daughter, whatever it may be. Take the, the discipline is to take what is, is causing that separation out. It's for restoration of relationship. What we think though is like discipline is for the it's all bad. Well, when you do bad things, you have to pay the consequences for those things. If you did bad things and there's no consequences for those bad things, what if everybody did the same thing? (laughs) You'd have what we have in America right now, right? Everybody thinks they can do whatever they want. They can live however they want. They can do what... No, but here, listen. It'll be be anarchy. But that's not how God designed it. God says, okay, this this is the way in which full life happens is the way in which i designed it when you start doing it your way i'm gonna if you're a child of mine i'm gonna love you enough to discipline you so that you come back and do it my way because where my way is there's life where your way is leads to death i want you to take the path that leads to life so therefore i'm not going to leave it to your yourself to figure it out on your own Look at Hebrews chapter 12 with me real quick. Because someone would be like, well, I don't think that God does that. Well, again, you're not going to argue with me. Believe it or not, I don't like to argue. I just like going like this. Right? Some people don't like that. Whatever. Okay. Don't argue with me. Argue with the one who wrote this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 says... And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? And that's, again, that's sons and daughters. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when when reproved by Him. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son whom He receives. Pause for one second. The Lord disciplines those whom He loves. Quit loving me so much, God! Right? Some, some are thinking that. But, 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 but it doesn't stop there. He doesn't just discipline us just for the sake of discipline us. He disciplines us so we can come back into closer relationship with Him. Some of, you, some of you would say, well, yeah, you know what, but I do some things and God doesn't discipline me for those things. Well, big, big, big issue here. And it's not, I'm not going to say what you, what you need to do. I'm going to tell you just what this says. And then you need to wrestle with something. Because either you harden your heart so bad that the, the, the spirit is just, just, just waiting for you to just to crash and burn and then it's going to be there to pick up the pieces. Guarantee. Or you, you're not a child of God. And again, I don't want you, I don't want you to, to, to sit here and, and think that I'm questioning anybody's salvation. I, I'm not. But I would much rather you be 
you know, kind of angry at me, not kind of. I'd much rather you be ugly at me than when you get to the, the, the gates and God says, wait a second, you're in the wrong line. So be, be mad at me now, fine, but I want to point out here that, that we have to understand what God says. Now, as children, we're going to see that we saw that God disciplines those whom he loves. Is discipline always pleasant? No. But it's loving discipline. It's what God wants so that we can have full life, so we can have or we can experience the life in which he has designed for us. Look on what it says here. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. So, and and that's, that's another interesting thing. We want to be treated as sons or daughters by God when things are going good. But when things are going kind of slanted, we're like, eh, don't treat me so much like a son or a daughter. Let me get away with it. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, and this is what we got, we have to wrestle with this. If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children, and not sons. Besides this, we have we have had earthly fathers who discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to this Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But He disciplines us for our good, that we may share in His holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Kurt said that when he was up here doing the call to worship, that God wants to present us holy and blameless before Him. There's a refining process that happens. That's what discipline is. That refining process. If, if, we, if, if, if we continue in our sin, and if God allows us just to continue to live in our sin and does not discipline us, you have to ask that question. In, Am I an illegitimate child? Or is my heart just that hard? Either one, either one of those things, there's something that needs to happen. There's something that needs to happen, and that's a responsibility that we have on our, our own. But that something that needs to happen, remember, because He hasn't left us as orphan children. He has given us the paraclete. He has given us the, the, the Holy Spirit. So if we find ourselves in like, yes, I know that I'm a child of God and I'm acting like a fool, we have the Holy Spirit in us to live through us so that we can die to ourselves and by faith live the life in which we live now. When God declares a person to be His son or daughter, when He declares a person to be His son or daughter, Status changes. There is a status change. It's changed from separation and alienation to that of the beloved heir. So that we are no longer illegitimate. We are no longer separated from God. But what we can do is then, we're into His family. 
we're adopted into his family, we can understand that, yeah, because of his love, he will discipline us. Again, no, no, one, no one likes that. But, but think about this. Status change. I am now, now I am defined as a child of God. Because that's what happens. When we're adopted into God's family, we are now defined as a child of God. Why in the world would God just allow His children to run all over the place and do whatever the heck they wanted to do if He really loved them? You've heard me say this a billion times. I love my son enough that I'm not going to let him play out in the middle of the road. Same thing. And everybody can put your own spin on that. You can think of something that you're doing that you know is not right. And you're like, well, you know what? God's not really disciplining me that. No, I don't think God's disciplining me. Well, either you have a hard heart, you're an illegitimate child, or let's even go one step further. If you're, say, if you're living and you're doing something and you're like, you're okay with that, just think about what if you were not okay with it and God could really bless you. Because the Bible tells us that He has way more in store for us than we can even think or imagine. But we, we stand in that way. And I don't think anybody in here wants to stand in the, in the way of a blessing which God has for you. Even if you're like, man, my life is really good. Good compared to what? To the person actually? Fine, okay, I'll, I grant that. But it, it, it is, is it as good as God has designed it to be? Land in the plane right here. Last question. What is expected of me because I am adopted into God's family? I, I think that we pulled a lot of different things, and, and I think that you're already thinking about what, what it is that, that, that is expected of me. I'm just going to give you one thing. And again, and this, this is for real. If you, if you don't hear anything else I, I say, hear this. What is expected of you because you are adopted into God's family. Remember, we have to determine, am I adopted into God's family? Have I put my trust in Jesus? Is, is He the one that, I, I'm, I, that I, I turn to in faith? Not anyone else. Is He the one? And if He is, I'm adopted into the family. And because I'm adopted into that family, here's an expectation. that I, I, This is my expectation for, for, for me, but for all of us. Live like you're loved. Too, too many, too, way, 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 way too many. Too many of us that, that are in this room, we don't live like we're loved. We don't live a life that, like, you know what, I am loved by the king of the universe. Maybe we have good days and we have bad days. Well, let's, let's work on having more good days than bad days. Well, how can I do that? Well, it says that the, it says that the same Spirit that, that rose Jesus Christ from the dead is the same Spirit that lives inside me to give me life to this mortal body, right? I, I think that this is, this is part of the, the, the understanding. When, when Paul says that, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind, here's a renewing of the mind moment. Understand that you're loved and live like it. Live like you're loved. Now, I know that some of you that, that are sitting here, but yeah, but we got to make sure we don't do this, and we got to make sure we do. I, I get it. Are, are, there, are there expectations, and are there other things that we need to do because we're children? Absolutely. But let's, let's master living like we're loved first, 
Because I guarantee it, when we live like we're loved and we look at who is loving us, our lives are going to change and we're going to want to do things differently. Live like we're loved. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, uh, <laughs> our Father, God, we, 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 we can't really grasp and wrap our head around the whole reason why you adopted us and why you chose us and all that stuff. And it is hard to understand. But the fact that you did, God, let, let us just, wherever anybody is at here, let us grow a little bit closer, step a little bit closer to you and a little bit closer to the fact that I'm loved and I need to live that way. I don't need to, to live in bondage anymore. I don't need to live in fear. I don't need to live in, in uh, trying to keep up with the, the ways of the world. I wanna, I, I, but I, I, I am to live like I'm loved. And I'm loved by the King. So God, help us in that. You said that, that the Spirit that's inside of us is, is empowering us to live this life. God, let us live a life that we can grab hold of your love for us knowing that you showed your ultimate show of love by giving your Son to die for us. So Father, in this moment, as, if, as, we, as we just kind of wrap up this time of teaching, let those words just sink in to our, not only our heads, but to our hearts. So we can be driving home or mowing the grass or whatever it is that we're doing today, tomorrow, this week. And we can remember, wait a second, I need to live like I'm loved. So when somebody says something stupid, I need to, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, live like you're loved. And it'll change my response because i got to remember I'm loved by the King. Father, we thank You. We love You. It's in Your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.